the word of our Lord from Paul's epistle to the Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This coming Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent. And if you haven't noticed, Lent is kind of a, 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 a countercultural season. Not, not everybody um, participates in Lent. And even among Christians, sometimes those of us that do participate in Lent are looked at kind of weirdly. You know, if you go out uh, on Ash Wednesday evening and you have a, a cross on your forehead, people look at you kind of strange. Um, what are you guys? You guys Catholic? What what are you? Um, it's it's kind of a countercultural season. It's a season that's very different, and it's a season that um, in, that self imposes some self disciplines and some self restraints, and that's awfully countercultural. If you haven't noticed, people want to just do whatever they want to do, and not only do they not want anybody to. To, to challenge them on that or, or, or pass any sort of judgment on that. They also want to make sure that everybody's applauding them in whatever they want to do. And so seize, the season of Lent is, is considerably countercultural. But interestingly enough, Lent is the oldest season in the life of the church. It's a, it's a very old, very old practice to observe Lent dating all the way back to the very earliest days of the early church. This season of Lent has always been a time of renewal, a time to recalibrate or to refocus. Early Christians walked through this season of Lent preparing for baptism because in the early church you were baptized at Easter. Typically at midnight, as Holy Saturday is giving way to Easter Sunday, and so Lent was a, a period of 40 days of preparation and, and instruction that came before that time of baptism where early converts, new converts were, were being instructed in the things of God. They were being instructed with, with the basics of Christian doctrine. That's uh, part of the origin of the Apostles' Creed, which we say periodically here. So it's a time of renewal, a time uh, to recalibrate or to refocus, because it's a time wherein we are walking from the manger of Christmas to the cross of Good Friday. So traditionally, Lent has been a period where sermons in the church have been about getting back to some of the basics, kind of uh, in a way similar to those early Christians going through catechism together, learning the very basics. Every once in a while, we need renewal. Every once in a while, we need to recalibrate ourselves, to refocus ourselves, recalibrate our minds and refocus our attention. It's good 
to get back to the basics. It's good to get back to the fundamentals sometimes. Sometimes you just need to shut the computer down and let it rest for a little bit before you power it back up to, to let things kind of get back to, to normal operations. According to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit wants to give us, wants to share with us the mind of Christ. And that's important because we don't naturally have the mind of Christ, if you haven't noticed. The mind of Christ is not just about the accumulation of knowledge that Jesus has. It's about seeing the world as Jesus sees it. It's about thinking like God thinks. Seeing others as He sees them. When Paul tells his readers in his epistles that the mind of Christ can be theirs by the work of the Holy Spirit, he's inviting them to ask God to help them to see others, to see His world as He sees it and as He sees them. To think like God thinks. Because God thinks differently than we think. That's important because it is the mind that guides our behaviors. The mind guides our actions. The mind guides the way we live our lives. Not just in a positive thinking, produces positive results type way, but in reality, the way we think will, will, will shape how we live. In Hebrew culture, the heart was the control center of the person. It wasn't just the, the, the seat of the emotions or the seat of the affections. It was the control center. That's, that's how the Hebrew people in the Old Testament understood life. Life comes out of the heart. But in the Greek world, the mind was the control center. And Paul is writing to a Greek world. And he invites them to not just have an accumulation of knowledge, which we, we typically associate with the mind, but to think in different ways. Because the mind is the control center. It is the place where we think. It is the place where we decide. It is the place where we intend. It is the seat of the will. And so as we consider Paul's instruction to us, his begging of us, notice he says, I beseech you, I am begging you, I'm pleading with you, he says. As we consider his, his plea toward us to not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, We need to think about what it means to have our minds renewed and how we can put ourselves in a position for God to do that great work of renewal in our minds. Because it's out of these minds that our lives are shaped. 
that our actions and behaviors and our habits are formed. And so I want to encourage you with just three simple things this morning. I say simple, you could, you could go very far with, with all of them, but three very basic things. First of all, don't poison the mind with sin and self. Lent is a time to abstain. But it's not a time to abstain from sin. I tell folks all the time, it's always time to kill sin. You know, as we consider things that we can give up for Lent, we ought not be thinking, hey, I'm going to give up, you know, being horrible to people. I'm going I'm to give up, you know, endangering others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up, you know, affairs and like those are things that Paul says put to death there's no place for those in the life of a believer he calls us to mortify the disease of sin and to train the appetites of the body we often associate Lent with fasting because Lent is typically a time where the church has fasted, has either fasted from, from food or fasted from, uh, from, from certain activities or behaviors, the indulgence of certain appetites in order to train the body. The appetites do not control me. I control them. But let's get back to the very basics And remember that we ought not poison our minds with sin and self. Because sin and self are indeed a poison to humanity. They are a poison to people made in God's image. And so don't poison the mind with sin and self. But rather feed the mind with healthy helpings of truth, goodness, and beauty. Because the Scriptures invite us not just to get rid of the bad, but it invites us also to be filled with the good. So, you know, the refrain, out with the bad, in with the good. Out with the bad, in with the good. Your mind might be like mine going back to that crazy cafe scene from Dumb and Dumber. Out with the bad, in with the good. But it's not enough just to avoid poisoning ourselves. We need to feed ourselves properly. It's not enough just to avoid poisoning the mind, but rather we ought to be inviting God to to help us as we feed our minds. And the good place to start is are those three transcendentals that I mentioned periodically: truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're not feeding your mind, if you're not feeding your mind, you can't be feeding your soul. Your mind, your soul, are going to starve from malnutrition. So I want to invite you, as we look ahead, there's still a few, few days before Lent starts. I want to invite you to use this Lenten season that's coming as a time to feed your mind with Scripture, prayer, and something you may not typically associate with Lent, creation. David uh, gave a very good plug. Thank you, David, for the uh, the scripture reading uh, document. I, they're they're half size. They'll tuck away in your Bible and tuck them away in a book and easy to keep up with and and mark off of. And 
Also, easy way to remember the daylight savings is going to be beginning in just a, a couple of weeks. Don't change your clocks yet, but it's coming up. But also, I want to invite you to, if you go to the website, faithmethodchurch.org, there, there are sources. There's a little tab, Lent 2017. You click on that. There are documents that you can download, things that you can read online. There's also music on there, music for every day of Lent. Uh, there's a link to, to family devotions that Lindsay's written. Uh, those of you that uh, want to do family devotions or with kids, they've got kids' uh, daily readings, all sorts of sources that are available there. At, at the church website. Use this season, not just as a time to, to be glum and a time to, to, to put a frown on your face and, and to, to think, oh, this is a, a dark season, but instead feed your mind. Feed yourself by feeding your mind with truth, goodness, and beauty. Spend time daily in prayer, even if it's a small, small time of prayer. You know, you, you, you got to... Sometimes you've got to begin with small things. You know, Pippin's not yet... He, Pippin is eating steak, but we don't just plop a steak on his plate. We, we'll cut the steak. He loves meat. And so, uh, you know, we'll cut it down. Sometimes we've got to begin with little small things. And it's easy to get overwhelmed and think, I don't have a good quality prayer time. I need to set aside a couple hours a day to be praying. If we do that, that may be well intended, but that's probably going to end very poorly. Sometimes it's a matter of saying, you know what, Lord, I need to spend at least five minutes in the morning just slowing down, sitting, maybe read a couple of verses of Scripture, and and thinking and praying to you. And I know I'm not giving much right now, but it's, it's something. And you know, God will bless that. And that five minutes will eventually grow to ten minutes. Feed the mind with healthy helpings of truth, goodness, and beauty. Through scripture, through prayer, and through creation. Take a daily walk. Go on a hike. Spend some time. And it could be outdoors creation. It could be indoors creation. Listen to edifying music. Something that is beautiful. Something that reminds you of the beauty and goodness of God. We need to avoid poisoning our minds, but we need to also healthfully feed our minds. And lastly, we need to exercise the mind with love toward others. You know what happens when you're constantly eating, but never exercising? Doctors call that obesity. At least that's what it can lead to. And it's possible for our minds to become obese. It is possible to be spiritually obese or, or relationally obese. Where, and we see this all around us. If we're not careful, we'll be tempted toward it ourselves. You see the symptoms of, of spiritual obesity in, in cultural apathy, as we look at the world around us and, and we're, we're kind of numb to the plight of others. We're numb and frustrated. We see it in spiritual lethargy where we're just not really 
doing anything. We're not really growing. We see it in personal stagnancy. Or we're just kind of eking along. The mind that is being fed but is not exercising through love for others is the mind that's always taking but never giving. It's the mind that's always seeking to be fed but never wanting to be spent. It's the mind that's always asking about self but never living for the sake of others. It's the mind that says, I'm not comfortable. I'm not having fun. I'm not finding that my needs are being met adequately. What's in it for me? If we're not careful, even if we avoid these voices in our lives, if we're not careful in making sure that we are exercising the mind through love toward others, then we'll find in us, even if we avoid, especially if we avoid poisoning our minds with sin and self, especially if we're being fed, we'll find within us rising up a deadly pride and arrogance where we look down on others. We think of others as beneath us. We see others as our pet projects in desperate need of us. You know, relational obesity, constantly being concerned with self. It's a deadly disease. It can destroy us. It can destroy our friendships. It can destroy our marriages. It can destroy all of the relationships that we find ourselves in. But God wants us to love others, to consider them, not to consider self, not to consider how others might be of benefit to us, but to consider how we might be of benefit to them. Because that's how God thinks. Notice God doesn't protect Himself. He doesn't guard Himself from others. He gives of Himself. There's a Latin phrase that was used by some of the church fathers and was picked up by Martin Luther. Cori and Curvatus, I'd say, our kids at camp a few years ago learned that Latin phrase. And it means a heart closed in on itself. You remember the heart is the control center in the Old Testament. The mind is the control center in the New Testament. You know, the way of the world is that, to be closed in on oneself, for life to be all about self, for life to be all about what I want, all about what, how, how I want to live and how I want others to, to benefit me. That's the way of the world. The way of the world is self. But the will of God, which Paul says, we can know by the renewing of our minds, the will of God is love. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And as the Apostle John would add to that, no one can say that he loves God if he doesn't love his neighbor. That's ridiculous. In our lives, God is able to show His great will for His creation. His good and acceptable and His perfect will by how we love others. By how we live for them. And that is very countercultural. That is very different than what we see out there. It's time to get back to some basics. It's time to seek God that He might renew our minds. Because we need to think differently. We'll never live differently. We'll never behave differently. We'll never act differently if we don't first begin to think differently. You know, in Christian circles, we often toss around the word repentance. And repentance at its most fundamental level is about a change of mind. It's about being convinced that I'm going in this direction and I ought to be going in that direction instead. Because you can't change life. You can't change behavior. You can't change actions without first being convinced that there's a need and being convinced that, that there's a want for that need to be realized. And God is all about renewing our minds. So our prayer, as we look ahead to begin this season of Lent, ought to be, Lord, get me back to the basics. Lord, help me to train myself, yes. Help me to, to, to keep my appetites in check, yes. But Lord, help me to see others as you see them. Not looking down on them. Not being apathetic toward them. But Lord, help me to love as you love. Would you renew my mind? Let's pray. Father, we pray.